Today's reading is from John 13, 1 through 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here. Um, God, we just don't want to hear about you. We want to experience you. We want to encounter you, Lord. So I pray that you would meet us here in this space, that your word would become alive and afresh and wake us up to the reality of your kingdom and your presence, Lord. We thank you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How are we this morning? Good. All right. Yes, 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 yes. Won't he do it? Um, on this beautiful, beautiful New England day. All right. A little dreary, a little overcast, a little rain. That's good stuff right there. Ooh, that's, why we, that's why we are here. That's what we live for. Um, so it's all good. Thank God for good news this morning. Um, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to continue this series and the questions of Jesus. And um, it's, I feel like every time I preach, I go, oh, I love this passage. I love this question. I love this passage and I love this question. This is so good. And it's usually a passage that's taught um, like on Holy Week, the week, of, the week of Easter that we would call it. And um, it's usually a, a passage that is taught on like a, what we call in the liturgical calendar, Monday, Thursday. Not Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Um, and, um, but this passage, its aim is, is way beyond just the Thursday before Easter. This is, this is a, a reflection, a posture that should invade our 365, 24-7-day lives. And I, I don't know about you, but... I've had many significant events in my life that um, I don't realize till way later. Right? Any, anybody here? Right, yeah. I mean, you have things that happen in your life, and then you get a little older, you get a little history behind you, and then you look back and go, man, that, that was bigger than I realized. 
Some of you, the day you got married, right? You look like, wow, that was a big deal. Man, that was a big commitment. Um, <laughs> or you have kids and you got to bring them home. You're like, oh, man, wow, this is, whoo, this is a big deal. I just had a kid. Wow. It was costly. Um, <laughs> come on. Thank God for tax breaks. All right. Um, and we just don't realize, sometimes we, we just don't realize how, how big something is. And we just, our understanding is not even prepared to grasp the moment. And it's imperative that we understand deeply this message of Jesus today. So we don't go through the motions and, and miss the significance of the moment and how the, the moment of when Jesus bowed down and washed the disciples' feet, that it doesn't become just a historical artifact that we're aware of, but it moves into our present that it moves into our day-to-day, -day, that it moves into the front of our consciousness and permeates our hearts as we interact with the world. Erwin McManus says this, he says, moments carry the momentum of the past and fuel the momentum for the future. And I pray that this, is, that this story, that this interaction of Jesus and his disciples puts fuel into our, into our future, into our todays, into our right nows, our right nows, our right now. Um, so the, this passage, Jesus has gathered his closest followers, his closest disciples, um, and, and they, they rented a room. It's called the upper room. Say it like that, okay? It's called the upper room, and they're in the upper room. They're in Jerusalem. It's Passover week. Um, it's, uh, he's, he's preparing his disciples for his impending death. And they're sitting around a table. And um, the beautiful thing I want you to hear first is his motivation. I want you to hear this first so you can see it throughout the passage. And it says in, at the end of verse 1, it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I want, I want you to hear that the motivation is love. He, he loved his own. He, he said, God so loved the world. He loved his own. He loved the people. He loved humanity. And, he, and it says that he loved them to the end, telos. And he indic, it indicates a love without limits, without time restraints. He loves them all the way through. This is the, the grandeur of his love. He loves to the end. I want you to hear that. So they're having um, a pass, Passover dinner. And, it's a, it's a, this, and this is a long progression. This isn't like sit down, make a sloppy joe and leave, right? Like, they're, like, they're, like this is a process. They're sitting down for hours. There's a, there's a liturgy. That means there's, 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 a, there's a, like a, an order in, in which the evening goes and there's prayers and, and there's, um, there's wine. Woo! Um, there's <laughs> the reading scripture. They're retelling the story of their freedom from Egypt and how Moses led the people through the Red Sea. Passover, because Passover means liberation from bondage. So they're telling the story of freedom. That's a story of their people. And they're, and, and they're having, they're sitting around and Jesus says, this is, the most, this is the most meaningful meal of the year. The most meaningful holiday and festival for the people of God. 
And not only is it a significant holiday, but this is a huge moment in the life of Jesus and in the life of his disciples. You with me? All right. You, yes. And, and it says, and then it says like that, that Judas was there and that he had already um, des uh, desired and planned in his heart to betray Jesus. Jesus is, is having a meal, his most significant hours, most significant time, the most significant festival, and one of his closest disciples is sitting at the table with him, breaking bread with him, sharing the wine cup with him, and he's already concocted a plan to betray Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been to certain tables and been around certain family events, and if if my, if, if, my, if my enemy at the table, trust me, I'm going to have some passive-aggressive comment or look on my face the whole time. <laughs> right? And Jesus, this is why he's so lovely and awesome. Because he's sitting at the table with his betrayer. And later on, as we read this text, he's going to wash the feet of his betrayer. Oh, he loved his own. He loved them to the very end. He keeps his composure. And it says in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he, Jesus, had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus was deeply rooted in his identity and purpose. He deeply knew who he was, whose he was, where he was from, and where he was going. He had a mission to declare the love of God to all of humanity. And even in the midst of his betrayer, he keeps his composure because he knows whose he is. And he knows what he's supposed to be doing in the face of adversity, in the face of trials, in the, in the, with the, the right to even say something, he holds back because he knows what God wants to do. What Jesus knew helped determine what Jesus did. I know that's not on the screen, but you might want to write it down. What he knew, like what Jesus knew determined what he did. It determined how he acted. It determined how he responded. And Jesus takes that posture, that posture of knowing who he is, knowing where he's from, and knowing where he's going, in the middle of this Passover meal, he gets up and he changes the game. Read verse 4 and 5. It says, So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And this... In, in this time and culture, there are, there are many different occasions and, reason, and, and reasons to, to wash feet. There's traditions. There's a rich, there's rich religious ritual. There's, there's, there's hygiene needs, right? <laughs> um, banquets are, are good places for feet washing, um, uh, to display hospitality, take on a form of servitude. But it never came from the host. Now, understand washing feet is not uncommon, but the task was always performed by the lowliest member of the household, preferably a Gentile servant. And so Jesus gets up, he takes off his, his outer garment, 
And he's basically down to his undershirt. I wonder if it's like Jesus rocks and like spray paint. Spray paint. I don't know, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> he takes off his outer shirt. He grabs an apron. He fills up the, a basin of water, a mop bucket. And he gets down. And with all the disciples, they recline on their left side as they sit around the table. Jesus takes this basin, takes his apron, and he comes to each one of them and washes their feet. Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, John, Bartholomew, Judas. And I don't, it doesn't say, but I'm imagining that he saved Peter for last. And he gets, he gets to Peter. It's, it's Peter's turn. In verse 6, here's, here's, when Peter sees Jesus coming, here's what he says. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now understand, Peter is basically, what he's saying with this question is, why are you doing this? Because it's clear that Jesus is washing feet, right? I mean, he's washing all the disciples' feet. So he's not like, hey, you, you washing feet today, Jesus? Like he, he, <laughs> he, he is clear that feet are being washed and Jesus is doing it. And so Peter is saying, my translation is, why are, you, why are you doing this? And why are you doing this to me? He's more perplexed on the why Jesus is doing this. Or... He, could, he knows how bad his feet are, and he's like, man, Lord, you, you really don't want to do my feet. Man, they are bad, Jesus. I got bunions, Paul, bunion bunions. Um, I'm joking. That's not in there. I'm just joking. They're probably, but they are, they're probably bad, though. Um, and Jesus replies in verse 7, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand Jesus, Jesus is saying, I know you don't get the significance of this moment. I, I know you don't understand what's happening right now, but there will come a time where this will make sense. There will become a time when the fullness of what you see happening will hit your life. You will see the impact that it's going to have on the life of, you, of the disciples and of the world. This is, this is kind of how our journey with Jesus goes. That God does things that are completely beyond our comprehension in the moment. Think of, if you've said yes to Jesus, think about the day you said yes. The day I said yes to Jesus, I would come forward and I'm crying. And everyone's like, yes, Lord, you saved the most vilest sinner in this whole city, right? And I'm just like, come forward and I'm saying yes to Jesus. And I have, I, I'm, I'm saying yes, but I have no clue what's really about to happen to my life. I have no clue really what God's going to require of me, what he's going to call of me, and, and the vision that he has for my life. I just know in that moment that something's compelling me to say yes. And this is kind of how it's been going ever since. God's moving and acting in our lives and in our world that we can't even perceive or see. And the, and the prayer throughout the scriptures, the prayer for the people of God is that we would perceive, that we would understand, that we would, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so Peter's um, response is no. 
Now, now understand, I want you to understand who Peter is. Peter is the one that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church upon you. Peter is the one who walked on water. He was the one who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. saw Jesus' glory revealed before his eyes. He's the one who said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, yes, that is, oh, that is from God. Peter, this is the same Peter. And, one, and in Jesus, one of Jesus' final moments, he, washes, he wants to wash Peter's feet. And in verse 8, Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. This, this is not hyperbole. This is not ingest. He's not saying, oh, no, I'm just joking, Jesus. No, he's, he's like really serious. That's the Greek translation, really, really serious. He's, he's refuting Jesus. He's rebuking Jesus. He's correcting Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, you will never wash my feet. He's not saying, no, not today. He's saying, no, you're never going to wash my feet. With deep pride, or as another commentator would say, humble pride. He, he thinks he's being humble right now in the way that he's resisting Jesus. One commentator says this, some humilities are deepest arrogance. In, in this culture, in this scenario, the disciples should be washing their teacher's feet. So, so the, this is inverted and this, it's thrown Peter off. And I, and I wanted to talk about foot washing because, um, real quick, because I was like looking at like images and every, every image you see of foot washing is very clean feet. They're like, they already look nice. Right? But au contraire, listen to what this commentator says. Most foot washing in the ancient world was a menial task. It involved washing off not just dust and mud, but also the remains of human excrement, which was tipped out of houses into the streets, and animal waste, which was left on country roads and town streets. The task of doing this as an act of hospitality to honor guests was therefore normally assigned to slaves or servants of low status, particularly females, so much so that foot washing was virtually synonymous with slavery. What makes the fourth gospel's account so extraordinary is that there is no parallel in extent ancient literature for a person of superior status voluntarily washing the feet of someone of inferior status. Jesus' act therefore represents an assault on the usual notions of social hierarchy, a subversion of the normal categories of honor and shame. It's not just an honored teacher who is performing a shameful act, but a divine figure with sovereignty over the cosmos who has taken on the role of a slave. Wow. In other words, what Jesus was doing was outrageous. This was absolutely outrageous to, to bow down in the middle of a special meal. You're a teacher, you're the rabbi, you're the king of the universe, and you're bowing down and you're cleaning dirty toenails. This was outrageous for Jesus to do this. And Peter did not want to see his teacher, his Lord, stoop down. Peter responds was also outrageous. 
His his response was out of order. His pride, humility was on display. I wonder if we ever get outraged and reject something amazing that God's trying to do in our lives. Because when we read this story, it's easy to think, man, I would have been different. I would have said, yes, Jesus, wash my feet. Right? It's, it's, it's easy to, to think that we would be different. And I wonder if there's things that God is trying to do in your lives, maybe through people around you, that maybe unexpected people around you, and God is trying to do something in your life through them, and we're like saying, no, Lord, never. By becoming a servant... Our Lord is not pushing us down. He's lifting us up. Here's what Jesus is doing by bowing down. He's dignifying sacrifice and service. And Jesus goes on at the end of verse 8. And he says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is telling Peter that, that humble service is a way his disciples can take part in him. To love other people, you must first accept love in whatever form it comes. One commentator says this, it takes humility and grace to serve others, but it also takes humility and grace to allow others to serve us. And Jesus is telling you're not going to go out and do my work unless you allow me to do it first in you. Come on, somebody, that's an amen right there. <laughs> amen. If I, if I can't wash you, you can't have me. You can't have that, communi- that communion, that intimacy, that nearness of Jesus if you're resisting. And the word that translated part, meros in the Greek, it carries the meaning here of participation. Having a share in someone or something. And Jesus is saying, if I don't wash your feet, you're not, you're not going to be able to participate in what I'm doing. You're not going to be able to participate in me. Jesus says this also, listen to this commentary. It says, Jesus takes off his outside robe either because he doesn't want to get it wet or more likely to demonstrate his vulnerability to his disciples would suggest that love requires a person to be vulnerable. Jesus is being utterly vulnerable with his disciples. He's, give, he's saying this is, this is what God's like. This, this is what God's like, that he gets down and close and intimate with the people. If we think that we're too humble or too unworthy to receive Jesus' free grace, we will miss him completely. This is what Jesus is saying. In your pride, humility, you're missing your moment. You you, you think that you're being humble, but it's actually an affront and a smokescreen for me ministering to you. And he said, if you want to have a part in me, if you want me to have a part in you, let me in. What's important to note 
in, this, in, the, in another passage in Luke that's of the same account, um, is that the disciples during this meal, during this time, they were having a dispute amongst themselves. Um, and the dispute was who was going to be the greatest. You can find it in Luke 22. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm not even going to read it. Um, but in Luke 22, they're the, the same account. They're arguing with, with themselves who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand. They were contending for the highest position. So what Jesus is doing right here by washing feet, for them, undermines the whole goal of being the greatest. <laughs> because they weren't into that. And Jesus is saying, I, I know the dispute you're having. I know that what you think becoming great is like, and I'm going to show you what becoming great is like. Jesus is trying to get them to see the greatness of his kingdom. The power and walls being broken down and torn down between us and God and with one another at the feet of those being washed. This is, this is where ministry happens. This is where the power of God is on display. It's, the, this is, it's a picture of, of our redemption, experience publicly. Jesus takes off his outer garment. He washes feet. Then he picks his garment back up. It's a reference to John 10 where the shepherd says, I lay down my life for my friends, and then I pick it back up. Jesus is showing them the gospel. He's showing them this is what the good news is like. This is what God is like. He lays down his life for his friends. And he picks it back up. You with me? All right. One commentator, another commentator says this. The foot washing episode which follows then becomes a prophetic act or acting out beforehand of his upcoming death on their behalf. Jesus has given them a prophetic picture of what he's about to do. He's washing their feet. He's also, he's also saying, I'm about to wash the world of sin. I'm about to lay down my life for the world and pick it back up. He's saying, I'm, this is loving to the end. This is what it looks like. This is what I'm demonstrating that this is God, this is what God's like. He washes feet, even the feet of those who betray him. Peter's, Peter has a new response. Verse 9. Then Lord, Simon Peter responded. If you put it that way, anyways. <laughs> Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Exclamation points. <laughs> Gotta love Peter. In other words, he's saying, yes, Lord, I receive it. I receive the foot washing anointing. <laughs> he's saying, I don't fully get it. Why are you doing this, Jesus? But I want you. So wash all of me, extra measure, pour it down, shake it together, run it over, whatever. <laughs> I want it, Lord. Whatever you got, I want it. Um, and G Jesus is, Jesus is, is going to say, slow your roll, Peter. You, slow your roll. All right. Verse 10. <laughs> this is Jesus saying, slow your roll. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you were clean. So Jesus is saying, you're, you're clean. Like, you, you, you're clean. You don't, you don't need, you just, this, is, this is all that I need to do right now. I need, I need to wash your feet, and you need to allow me. He says, you're, you're already clean. So, and, the, and the picture is that 
before you went to the banquet, you wash up. You take a full shower, but you got to walk in these dirt worlds to get to wherever the banquet is or the festival is, so your feet are dirty. He's saying, no, only your feet need to be cleaned for this level of intimacy. You're already mine. And he says in John 15, it's not going to be on the screen, that, um, that his disciples are clean because they've been washed by his word. Jesus has spoken his word over their lives, and they have received it, and so they're clean, except for the one who didn't. And so Jesus moves on to his question, um, and Jesus is washing Peter's feet, and um, we have a, I have a, a little image of it. And I, and I is it up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's, um, we oftentimes think that maybe the disciples were, were into it. This, this took them back. Like this, this was a complete like, this is a shock. Even, even Peter saying, yes, Lord, wash it, to still have, to, to know what you did last night, to know what was on your mind, even in the moment, because someone took the bread before you. I mean, you, you got to understand, like, like, he knows where he's at, and he knows how pure and perfect Jesus is, and Jesus is washing his feet, and it's, he's, I'm imagining that he's thrown back even in the process of Jesus doing this to him. And then verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. Do you, under, do you understand what I've done for you? It's, it's a searching question. And so I, I ask you this, the same thing. If you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Do you understand? Do you understand what he's, what he's done for you? Do, you? do you understand? Like, not do you know. Do you, do you understand? Does it grip you? Does it, does it, does it change you? Does it, does it affect your heart? And if, you, and, if, and if you not said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, do you understand what Jesus wants to offer you? He doesn't want to offer you religion. He doesn't want to offer you a list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't want to offer you political parties. He's offering you something way grander than that. He's offering you a connection to the God of the universe. He wants to wash you clean. He wants to dignify who you are regardless of what society has said to you, regardless of what your story has been, regardless of the hurts you've experienced, maybe growing up in a family of origin that you had. He wants to dignify you, see you, call you out, give you worth, and, and, and propel you and lift you up. Do you understand? Mark 10.45 is now on the screen. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give his life. He's saying, Peter, this is not me getting down and letting you know that I've come to give my life. I've come to break my life open for the sin of the world. This is a big deal. This is significant. This moment matters. This moment needs to be pulled into our present. Yeah. 
God is putting on display what he has done and what he wants to do for the whole world. The extent of his great love. The extent that he will go to demonstrate his great love. It doesn't, it doesn't end there, though my time is almost up. <laughs> Verse 13, we're going to go fast. You call me, after he asked this question, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, a pattern that you should do as I have done for you. This is how God will be known and experienced. By laying down our lives for the other, like Jesus has done for us, for the sake of the world, for the sake of love. He's saying, you see what I've done here? This is not a one-off act. This is what the, the Father is doing. And I call you to be the same way. Wash each other's feet. He, he tells him also in this meal later in John 15, he says, like the greatest witness will be that you're one because you deeply love. And he's saying not that you're great with flowery words, <laughs> but that you, you, you know how to bow down and lay down and serve one another, that you're putting love on display in your actions and in your posture towards one another, towards your neighbors, towards people in the world, towards people that disagree with you. That's going to be your witness. Not if you can beat them in a debate, but if you can, you should. But anyways, <laughs> joking. <laughs> And he's speaking towards their aspiration to be great. And he's, and he's saying, instead of aspiring to dominate being number one, be eager to serve. You want to be great? I'm going to show you what greatness is. Bow down and wash. Be eager to serve. And the, the beautiful picture, this is a beautiful picture of Jesus' career. It's a beautiful picture of the upcoming passion. It's, the, it's, it's Philippians 2 on display. I mean, it's on the screen. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in a human form, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should, bow, should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee should bow. Listen to that, that every knee should bend, bow. Bending our, our knee is, is part of our confession that he's Lord. So we don't just say he's Lord with our mouths. Jesus is saying, oh, we, we, we demonstrate that he's Lord by, by our physical posture. And this is his 
This is the demonstration of his love. This is the proof of his love. And he says, go, do the same. Demonstrate love by serving because it's the same love you received and you're receiving to the very end that you need to turn around and face each other and do the same. Because Romans says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That the love of God has captured us. And the, the love of God shouldn't be something that we contain and we keep it on the inside and encapsulate it. Which I don't really think you can, but we try to and, and bottle it up. And he's saying this needs to ooze out of us. It needs to explode out of us for the sake of the world, for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of one another. That it's going to tear down walls as we begin to lay down our pride and our privilege and our preferences for the sake of others. For the fame of Jesus. For the kingdom of God to be displayed on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right, come on now. I'm about to preach this. Um, <laughs> I, I really am ending. Okay. Um, just, I just want to just use our imagination and imagine if the church lived to wash feet. Imagine if that was our posture. Because I'm going to admit, I, I love to get served. <laughs> not get served like dancing, like, I, you got served? No, no. <laughs> like, like, I like being, like, we like being taken care of. What if, what if we flip that? What if the church lived to wash, what if we lived to wash feet? And not clean feet, not pedicured feet, you know, like, like we live to wash feet. I watched a little documentary on Mother Teresa, and here's a quote from her. She said, I see God in every human being. When I wash the leper's wounds, I feel I am nursing the Lord himself. Is it not a beautiful experience? See, the religious leaders, they, 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 they thought humility was a good virtue, but that it had certain limitations. And what Jesus is saying, oh, we're going to flip those limitations, and we're going to say the love of God that's displayed in how we lay down our lives for each other has no limitations. It has no limitations. You are called to lay down your life and put on an apron and bow down to those around you. Not to get something, but out of gratitude. Do you understand what I've done for you? Not completely, but the glimpse I've been given causes me to worship. <laughs> this is the good news. God comes down from heaven in the person of Jesus, washes my feet, serves me, dies on the cross for me, pays it all, raises me to newness of life, and turns me outward towards others and says, go and do Likewise. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, just thank you for your, thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, we are blown away and amazed at the good news. It's, it's at times too lofty for us.